come in a little bit numb, just watch the kids on the front row worship. Man, stirred my affections for Jesus here tonight. Hey, let's pray together. Father, we thank you um, that you've begun a work in this church, in this community, and I pray that you'll continue exponentially more. Father, we are uh, certainly not shy of asking for you to work because we know who you are. And we know you can do great things, and you've done great things, and you continue to do great things. And so, Father, we ask another time here tonight, continue to do the things that you do. Father, I pray for those kids tonight. I pray that you'll bless their time. I pray that you'll help them to know you on a deeper level, increase their faith, increase their affections for you, and give them a boldness and a confidence in your name. Father, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Kids, you all are dismissed. Have a wonderful time. And they are out the door. Well, how's everybody doing this evening? Good, good. Glad to hear it. Hey, my name is Dallas. If I haven't met you, I'd love the opportunity after the service if uh, you'd love to introduce yourself, and I'd love to get to know you a little bit more. But hey, uh, we're here tonight. We're going to talk about uh, Zechariah and Simeon. We'll be in Luke chapter 1, and we'll be in Luke chapter 2 here tonight. Uh, One of the things, as you're turning there, one of the things I love about the Christmas season is watching Christmas movies. I think we've probably, as a family, watched... I'm not going to say how many, because it'll just embarrass me. But um, one of those movies we've watched the last couple years is Miracle on 34th Street, and it has quickly risen high on my list of Christmas movies. Anybody else like that one? Cool. Well, there's this little girl who starts to have a little bit of a conflict in her heart. She has spent most of her life in awe and wonder at things, and she has this, you know, longing for magical things to occur. Uh, But she gets to a certain age, and there becomes a little bit of a tension in her life, that the, uh, the part of her brain responsible for reason begins to grow, and she starts asking questions, and she uh, is a little bit conflicted. There's a, a tension present here. And you've got a, uh, a nice man involved who tries to just, you know, a little bit longer, just keep that spirit about her of awe and wonder, awe and wonder. But it's this thing of, of conflict throughout the movie. Should I embrace what is true, or should I just be filled with awe and wonder still? And as we were watching it this year, I, it just it dawned on me that one of the things that I love so much about Jesus is that we don't have that conflict when it comes to Jesus, right? That he is truth, and we can stare at him in awe and wonder of what he's going to do next. And so tonight, we're going to look through a couple of stories that, that really illustrate to us the importance. Because I, I think when we get older, sometimes we, we think it's all about obedience. And don't get me wrong, obedience is so important. But it is also about asking God to do great things. 
that we stare in awe and wonder and we say, my God is so big, my God is so great that he can do anything. And I ask for him to do that here tonight. Uh, If you have your Bibles, again, Luke chapter 1, we will start here in verse 5 and we'll stop and start, stop and start some along the way. It says, in the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. Now, that term blameless does not mean that they did everything perfectly. It simply means that they didn't hold on to blame in their life. They, you couldn't blame them for long, essentially. That if there was something that they had done, that if they were confronted about it or they realized it, they had a repentant heart. They had a heart posture of humility to repent of the things that they had done. And that's good. Like, to, to be somebody who's blameless in the sight of God, I don't mean to diminish that here tonight. That is, that is great. And that's like hashtag personal and church goals, right? We want to do that. Um, But I think there's also an element missing here tonight. There's an element of uh, sitting and having faith and delighting and hoping and being filled with joy as if to say, God, you're not just somebody that I need to obey. You are that, but you're also somebody I need to call upon to do great things over and over and over again. And I think so far in this story, that's missing. Uh, Verse 7, but they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were very old. They were both very old. Once when uh, Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time of the burning of incense came, all uh, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. Now, I want to stop right there and contrast this for just a second um, with Mary. So we'll get into a little bit more of that on Sunday. But um, she was greatly troubled when the angel appeared to her. But she was greatly troubled because of what kind of greeting that that might be. And Zechariah here is gripped with fear. Fear has him, and I think it's because he was not expecting for God to show up and actually deliver on the things that he's prayed for. I don't think there's an expectation that when he's come to pray in the temple, that God actually might meet him in that space. Verse 13. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. We shouldn't be surprised when God hears our prayers. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. Now, this is as if to say, Zechariah, remember, it's great that you've been obedient. Keep going. Keep doing that. But also, don't forget to delight. Don't forget to experience joy. And this son of yours is going to help you do that. Verse 15. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. 
He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. That's a smart man right there. Did you catch that? He's old, but she's just well along in years. That's, that is a, a, a guy who, who knows how to do married life, right? That's good. All right, verse 19. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not be able to speak until this day happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Now, let's review here just for a second. We talked on Sunday about how the gospel is good news, not just regular news. And Zechariah here simply cannot believe this good news. Why? I think it's because somewhere along the way, he has stopped looking at all, in awe and wonder at what God can do. And look, I don't mean to be too hard here on Zechariah tonight. I mean, it had been 400 years since anybody had heard from God at this point. And the thing that the messenger of God says is, you're going to have a baby. And they're both old at this point. I mean, I, I, sorry, she's well along in years. He's old. I forgot. Um, and, and he probably stopped praying about that a long, long time ago. And I think there's two main reasons why he can't fully accept this good news. Uh, maybe he's going through something like we all do, that sometimes we go through the motions when we pray. I think sometimes for me it's, you know, God, if it's not too much trouble, would you mind to do so-and-so? Um, if it's not going to put you out too much, God, I know you got you know, other things, probably more important things to do, but if it's not going to put you out too much, could you do blank? And I think sometimes we, it almost feels noble to us in a way that we're, we're not going to ask too much from God, right? Like he's got other things to do. We just feel like we'll just let him do that. And I think possibly that's what's going on here, that he doesn't want to ask God to do too much. Or two, maybe he does believe that God does want to do big and great things. He just doesn't believe that he wants to do those things through him. And maybe some of us come in here like that tonight. That he is saying, you know, I'm too old. Like, surely you would use somebody a little bit younger. Or for some of us, it may be, you know, God, surely you'll use that person who's a bit more articulate than I am. That person who's a little bit more put together, or maybe they have more followers on Instagram, so it makes more sense that, you know, that you'd use them. 
for that capacity, right? We make all these rationalizations in our mind instead of understanding that, look, it's not about us anyway. It's about God and what He's going to do. And if He says He wants to work in you, He wants to work in you. And I think once we get that, once we truly understand that not only does God want to do things that are amazing, and He wants to do those things through us, then our purpose starts to take shape. Our joy starts to take shape. Things like our worship and our praise and all those things start to take shape when we realize, yeah, like God wants to do big things and he wants to do them through me as well. Now let's skip down to uh, verse 57. The story continues. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared in her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, no, he is to be called John. They said to her, there is no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to the father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet. And to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. Immediately, his mouth was open and his tongue set free, and he began to speak, praising God. Now, I don't want to spend too much time here, but you might be asking, was it a consequence of his lack of faith that closed his mouth? And, I, and I've really thought about that question, but I think a better question to ask would be this. Why would God have such mercy on Zechariah to allow him this small time frame of being a- unable to speak for these few months in exchange for granting him this renewed sense of belief in God? Because the angel says, says you will not be able to speak. Why? Because you did not believe. Guys, I think this is just as much for Zechariah as anything else. Because he comes out of this praising God. I mean, we'll, we'll get into, and we won't read all of it, but Zechariah's song of just praise. This renewed belief in God. And y'all, this was true in my life, too. That when I went through panic, it was the worst year of my life. In fact, if you added the other 33, I think that one year would still be harder than all of that combined. And now you know how old I am. Uh, but, but listen, that year was hard. Okay, there's no way around it. But during that time, God showed me how marvelous He is. And I can truly look back at that time and in gratitude and say, God, I'm so glad that I endured that. I mean, you really showed out. I mean, my faith was more of, God, what do you want? What do you want me to do for you today? Like, how can I please you? And that sort of thing, which is good. But it was never, God, you're going to do great things. And coming out of that, I'm saying, man, he's going to do great things. And so he's allowed me a renewed sense of belief during that difficult time. I think that this is what's happening here as well. Verse 65. All the neighbors were filled with awe. And throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, 
What then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he has said through his holy prophets of long ago. Now you see all this, this awe, this wonder, this joy, this praise going on. The people sat in awe and wonder at what God was doing. The question I have for us tonight is, uh, have we gotten a little too civilized in our faith? I mean, have we just said, God, I'll obey you, but I don't really expect you to do much? Can we become the kind of people who just say, God, I know that you want to work, and I know that you want to work in me, and I, I can't wait to see what that is, and I'm not going to put any limitations on what I think that you can do. And in fact, in Luke chapter 2, uh, if you flip over one chapter, we'll read a little bit about a man who was just pumped up to see what God was going to do next. Uh, we'll start here in verse 25. It says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in, the arms, in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. So Simeon goes into the temple courts each day, excitedly anticipating the day to come where Jesus will be revealed. And, and the parents marveled at what was being said. And what was being said is that this prophecy that, um, that this will go to all nations that it will be a light to the Gentile, and that there will be glory for the people of Israel. And it is this hope that he's marveling at, that he says, I know what God can do, and I'm just marveling at the fact that he's starting to do that, and I can't wait to see what he does in the future. And y'all, this is a prophecy that has not been completed yet. That this is still happening now, so we can, as a group here tonight, be excited that God is still taking this to all the nations and all the people groups. And he is bringing light to the Gentiles and he's bringing glory to his people in the process. He's still doing a wonderful, wonderful work here and through all his creation. Look, I hear a lot about the end times and I, you know, it, it could be the end times. It could not be. I don't know. And Jesus, in fact, tells us that nobody knows the date or the time. But I do know this, that if God's kingdom is here on earth as it is in heaven, then we can anticipate good because if the kingdom is here, the king is here too. And as long as the king is here, there will be things that we can excitedly anticipate to come. There will be wonderful 
wonderful things that he's going to do next. Uh, worship team is going to come forward here in just a second. And uh, I'd love for you to just worship during this time how you feel led. Just do what you think you ought to do. The, the altar will be open. Um, I'll be available at the front as well to, to pray with you. And we'll um, talk through anything, any doubt, any, uh, anything that you feel like is lacking here tonight. Man, I'd love to process through that with you. Um, I do want to say... One more thing uh, before we get into worship. Uh, Matt was actually supposed to be here tonight um, to give this message, and Matt has been pretty sick, um, so be definitely be praying for him. Uh, I think he's actually on the upswing now, which is, which is really, really good. Um, but yesterday I was starting to write this message, and my affections <laughs> were stirred. Jesus in a way that they haven't been in in a while. To read Zechariah's story hit a bit close to home for me. To see the way God has moved and been patient with Zechariah and seen how he's been patient with me as well. And I think maybe for you too that that maybe your faith has been that you've, you've wanted to be obedient and you've tried to be faithful and, and all that. And that's so good, but you've stopped looking at him in awe and wonder. And, that was, and that's been my story. And then in 2016, when, I, when that panic did hit me, it was similar to Zachariah's story that I withdrew so much and was barely able to speak. And yet God showed me. How marvelous he is during that time. In fact, I, I learned during that time that it is not about a circumstance at all. In fact, what God offers to us is a peace that transcends all circumstance. And so I got to a point in the midst of panic where I looked at him and I said, Yeah, he's greater than my circumstance. And y'all, if you would have told me that I would be sharing that story, I would have told you it was impossible. But Luke 2 tells us that nothing shall be impossible with God. And so tonight, if there is something that you have said, God, you know, I just don't, I know you're good, but I just don't know if you can do that. I don't know if you can work through this situation. I want to encourage you, nothing is impossible with God. And I hope that we continue to be a church that, just like a kid does on Christmas Eve, they look to the skies at in awe and wonder at what might happen. Y'all, we have a God, not just on Christmas Eve, but every single night. We can look into the skies and say, man, I can't wait to see what you do next because I know that it's going to be good. Let's pray together and give him praise. Father, we thank you that you are a God of awe and wonder. You are a God of truth and you are a God of goodness and you are a God of justice and all those things and you are also a God of all and wonder that you um, that you do things that are above the laws of nature time and time again that we can call on you and say God do it again and it's no trouble to you in fact you love to be in messy situations and you love to work in situations and so if we come to you time and time again you continue to be available and you continue to want to work. And so, Father, create in us a heart that sees that, that sees 
you as somebody who, who delights in rescuing, delights in teaching, delights in helping people just see you in a whole new powerful way. Father, you are the one who's created everything. You are the one who shut the mouths of lions. You are the one who parted the seas. You are the one who has given sight to the blind. You're the one who has defeated death itself. And Father, we know that you're not done yet. Father, we call on you like little children to look at you and just say, man, you are so good and I can't wait to see what you do next. Father, we love you a lot. In Jesus' name we pray.